0: This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. Welcome back to another classroom setting with Dr. Carr. We're in class with Carr. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Thank you, like, thumbs up, and all that good stuff. Dr. Carr, thanks for being here today. Um, I know we have a lot on the agenda to talk about. We probably won't get to everything. Um, but there's a lot of things happening with move, removing statues and monuments all over the country. I have a really particular view on this. I think personally it's a distraction. I think, you know, we do that last. <laughs> That's window dressing. Those are flowers. The foundation needs to be shored up. We have a crack and a crumbling foundation. Let's shore that up before we start talking about outside paint and put flowers up. <laughs> but you were talking about off mic. A uh, the Lincoln the Lincoln statue. T- tell me about what you're yeah. talking about, so that
1: because I don't want to miss it. Lincoln Park. All, no, 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 no. Well, first, first of all, my dear friend and sister, Professor Hunter, I can't tell you how grateful I am for these conversations. And as you said uh, off mic when we were talking, this is something we will be doing anyway. So, folks watching, thinking, "Wow, they really playing." No, what's happening in divine order. I said, this was a Saturday morning and you and I had a had a little time and space. We'd be sitting around with students, other folks having these conversations. So like you said, you press record. And so we continue to talk. Um, but this monument uh, thing is very interesting. It all really kind of fits together, our conversations we've been having. And um, I agree with you uh, in this broad sense that these symbols, while important, symbols are important. I mean, symbols are one of the ways that people uh, create community and pass culture on through time and space. So they are important. However, uh, two things they aren't, uh, they're no substitute for structural change, as we know. And the other thing is, I think it's very interesting, is they they are really an opportunity for us to, uh, to re narrate our society, to talk about who we are. That's why they exist. In many ways, they exist almost as a way to try to uh, to impose memory of one moment on the future. Let me put this down so that when I'm dead in dust, you will still march to my drumbeat. So when you see these statues, you see these symbols. You know, I'm gone, but I'm here. So you keep walking around. In fact, in Washington D.C., which is really in many ways Washington D.C. is a is a shrine city. You know, I, I lived in Philadelphia for 17 years, and so. When uh, I would tell students all the time, uh, the last ten years of that I was working at Howard, I would get up and take the train or drive to DC because I just love Philadelphia. I love working with the students there, my students, and yeah, I loved working at Howard too. But I didn't want to leave my people in Philly. Philly kind of got on me. It's like an adopted home in many ways. So oh. I would tell them. I said, you know exactly, John. I mean, the Philly. Look, if 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 the Africans of Philadelphia did nothing else but to contribute the word "John" to the lexicon. I mean, this is a word that can be used a noun, a verb, an adverb, an adjective. It, it's all parts of speech. So, so I would tell students. I say every morning I get up in the city where they made up America, and I take the train to the city they made up for America. So, I mean, in other words. Philadelphia is where they basically came together at the old Pennsylvania State House and created what we know now as the United States of America, Declaration of Independence, Constitutional Convention, this kind of thing. But Washington, D.C., they drug it out of a swamp in Northern Virginia and Maryland. And of course, shout out to Eleanor Holmes Norton and all the crew who, if anybody gets a chance to watch that debate they had on Friday Mm. uh, about making D.C. the 51st state and you saw the White Nationalist Party member after member get up and throw these artificial uh road road roadblocks and then of course on the senate side tom cotton said, i love the name tom cotton senator tom cotton because he would fit perfectly in martin delaney's blake or harry Beecher stowe's uncle tom's cabin even his name his look dude you were born out of time you should have been a you should have been an antebellum you know (laughs) pataro you know what i'm saying but when he gets up and says if you make dc a state i mean you know would you would you trust a state to marry and Barry, oh man, say it with your chest, as small as it is, bird chest, but say it with your chest, Tom, say it with your chin, if we could find one for you. But I mean, you know, say it, man, say it, get it out. But the point is that Washington DC was a compromise. And one of the ways that DC could get uh, 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 elected officials in Congress would be to retrocede into Maryland because Maryland ceded, you know, the territory part of the territory. Well, of course, Maryland would have to agree. Eleanor, Eleanor Holmes brought that up yesterday. But I'm bringing that all up in the context of Lincoln Park and the monument because we have to think about the fact that when they drew that perfect diamond out of Virginia and Maryland, that and then they surveyed it, Pierre Lafont, Pierre of course, assisted by, among others, Benjamin Banneker. And when Lafon goes back to Paris or when they go back to France, Banneker finishes the job. When they lay it out, as a perfect diamond. But then Virginia takes this little corner back. That's why it's a broken broken diamond now, but it was designed as an idea. This is the district. Even naming it Columbia, again, a gesture toward Christopher Columbus, is making up an artificial memory for the society. They made up the society for America. And when you look at the statues in Washington, D.C., when you look at the boulevards that were laid out by LaFont, laid out by Banneker, laid out by the team, they are very deliberate. The meridian that, that bisects the city 16th Street, which lead dead ends in the, into the, uh, the so-called White House. You see that go all the way out and then up into Maryland. It's, a, it, it, it's, it's really an exercise in geometry. You know, some of my friends... Well, it's, you, a it's,
0: it's a Masonic. All of
1: it's a Masonic. That's right.
0: Degree. Go ahead now.
1: That's exactly right. cause it, no, You know it. You know what I'm saying? Because when you see the White House, when you keep going up 16th Street, you pass by the Masonic Lodge, the Shrine Lodge right there with the steps, all 33, everything is there. That's exactly right. And so when you go around a circle, DuPont Circle, Lincoln Circle, Seward Square, when you go around these circles and squares in Washington where the statues are, you're literally almost involved in a kind of right of remembrance, you're making circles around these statues, you're making circles around these figures. So when you put a park or a statue in Washington, DC, you're saying in this shrine city, we're gonna erect other shrines to cement these figures we pick in memory. So when people start tearing these statues down in a kind of to the outside looking indiscriminate manner, they're declaring war on American memory in the idea of some people. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they they pulled down Albert Pike. Let's you see, you mentioned Mason. So here's a guy, Confederate guy, uh, military guy in the Confederacy, who is also considered one of the architects of American Freemasonry, Scottish Rite Freemasonry, Albert Park. I mean, there's a lot of people probably, you know, I'm, I'm sure you heard it many times, certainly growing up in Jersey, I know, you know, I got a copy of Morals and Dogma around here somewhere. I mean, mo- many people watching this got a copy of Morals and Dogma, Albert Pike. They don't know he was a stone cold racist, Confederate racist, but, but they pulled his statue down. Then they tried to get Andrew Jackson, which is, the, you can spit from the porch of the White House and hit Andrew Jackson right there in Lafayette Square Park. So it's like, let's get Andrew Jackson. Say, you can't have Andrew Jackson. And then Trump says, well, next thing, what about George Washington? And then he says, statues of Jesus. Yeah, I, don't I can't get all the statues of Jesus because those are everywhere. I mean, in the churches, the stained no. glass. But no. but what he's talking about is an attack on a version of the past that is used to frame the present and the future. So let's talk about Abraham Lincoln for a minute. Abe Lincoln, there's a statue of Abraham Lincoln. The first public statue actually erected, uh, erected for Abraham Lincoln after he was assassinated, 11 years after he was assassinated. It was erected in a place called Lincoln Park. It's the Emancipation Statue. And it, uh, stone's throw from the White House, that part, Lincoln Park, was the first public land named for Abraham Lincoln after he passed away. So what you see then is it, by 11 years after Lincoln's assassination, there is a statue erected that is paid for with funds raised substantially by black people. So wow. black people raise money for this, uh, the statue. Now, here's, here's a New York connection. A lot of New Yorkers may know this, may not know this. Most people around the country don't. Um, there was a brother who was the dean of Howard Law School for a time, Richard Greener, out of South Carolina. Richard Greener had a daughter named uh, Belle, who changed her name to Belle DaCosta Green because the family split up. Richard Greener moved to New York. Belle moved to New York. Belle, and she's a fascinating figure. And oh, we had to talk about her another time. She was, a li- she was J.P. Morgan's librarian. The J.P. Morgan Museum and Library she built that. She was the chief librarian. Oh, it's a whole story behind it. We had to talk about Belle de oh Green. But her, her daddy, Richard Greener, was on the committee that raised the money, including substantial donations from Black people, small donations from many Black people, to fund Grant's Tomb. So when people look at Grant's Tomb and they wow. say, oh, where did it come from? Well, it was a brother and a bunch of white dudes and then a lot of money from Black people. And Black people said, look, like Grant, don't like Grant. He was the general on the winning side. We not slaves no more. I got five on it, and black people helped <laughs> build do Grant's tomb. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so I, I'm talking about this in the context of Lincoln's tomb, uh, Lincoln's statue, because we don't mistake a statue for liking everything the person the statue represents did. And in the case of Lincoln's statue, in fact, in fact. Uh, this is the guy, of course, this is Douglas this is, of oh, course, Fred okay. Douglas. This, this, is, volume this oh. is volume four this is volume four, Frederick Douglas's papers, in Frederick Douglass' papers. Frederick Douglass, when the statue is uh, erected, Fred Douglas gives a speech. In fact, he gives the keynote speech. So people now want to pull down Lincoln's statue in uh, the Emancipation Statue of Abraham Lincoln in Lincoln Square. Okay, Lincoln Park, rather. The Oration in Memory of Abraham Lincoln he gives on April 14th, 1876. Now I could read it out of volume four of uh, Philip Fauner's Life and Writings of Frederick Douglass and uh, John Blassingame, good brother, uh, who is an ancestor now. He edited the Frederick Douglass papers with, uh, out of Yale University. But I prefer this book. This is a book that was actually published locally called Abraham Lincoln and the End of Slavery in the District of Columbia. I'm gonna show you because there's the statue.
0: Mm. And it, and I think the problem with that statue is that I think if there's a person in bondage at his knee, at his feet. That's right. And they, and, and it just the, the image of that, you know, probably disturbs people's souls. I love it.
1: That is exactly right. And there it is, Karen. There it is, Professor Hunter. You have nailed it right there. This isn't 1874. This is 2020. And so people looking at that statue, the first question they have is, why, is the, why the Black man got to be on his knees? <laughs> That's the question, right? And so, in fact, there's a whole book called The Standing Soldiers Kneeling Slaves that talks about the fact that these statues had these Negroes on their knees. And the irony is it isn't always a white person standing over the top of them. The most famous statue, one of the most famous statues in the South in American history, of course, is the statue of Booker Taliaferro Washington on the campus of Tuskegee University, not a hundred yards from where Booker T is buried. I've been there many times. My mom was born right down the street. There's a statue of Booker Washington standing up and there's a brother cr- and crouched and he's got a, over him there's this like blanket. They call it the veil of ignorance. And you see the veil coming up over him. But then you see Washington with the, with the corner of the veil in his hand, lifting it up. And of course, the joke is always, is Booker T lifting this off his brother? Or is he oh, putting he it <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the black joke. Everybody knows that statue knows that joke. Uh, Ralph Ellison, who went to Tuskegee, author of Invisible Man, for example, following Albert, Mur- Albert Murray, followed him down there. They all knew that joke. But here's the thing, the brother's in a crouch, except it's Booker Washington over the top of it. But but that that kneeling black person represents enslavement. And in the case of this brother on this statue, he is alleged to have been the last black man, the last black person, woman or child, who was captured using the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850. Mm. So it was like deliberate. And what you see is the chain is broken. So it's like Abraham Lincoln is lifting, uh, it's helping, is breaking the chain. Now, of course, the future slayback was 1850. So let's not even get it. Abraham Lincoln was not president in 1850, but here's the problem. Here, let's talk about the, the, the contemporary moment. Cause this is like I said, we are just doing a short one on this, but it's important in this moment as people tearing down statues, people are saying we gotta get rid of these symbols, all this stuff is going on. Often we hear people say, well, you can't judge people to by your standards today you have to judge them by their times. And I find that so hilarious when you start talking about black people in America, because I asked the question that, that my man, Ron, oh man, I don't have them around here. My man, Ron uh, Walters, the ancestor Ron Walters asks in his book, Pan-Africanism in the African Diaspora. He says, we talk about black people being Americans, he said, and, and that's true. Black Americans, people born in America, I don't care whether you came here 200, your ancestors came 250 years ago, or your ancestors just came from West Africa or Nigeria, wherever you wanna say, Caribbean, to yes, last year. If you're here, okay, we're gonna say you African-American. You born here, certainly African-American citizenship. He said, so I don't have a question about when we became Americans, so to speak, but here's my question. When did we stop being Africans? So, I mean, and so he says, you know, because first of all, define American for me, define African for me. Because many of the things we do are echoes from Africa. Many of the ways we look at the world, we say black, but it's very much informed by sensibilities that are echoes of Africa. So it's all co-mingled. It doesn't, it's not either or. (laughs) He says, yeah, we're Americans, but when did we stop being Africans? I raise that because when people say we got to judge people by their times. My question then is, when did black people start saying they looked at George Washington as their founding father. Because as much as I read and studied and listened to people, I'm saying that we still don't. But y'all really love to write these narratives where it said, and you know, even during slavery, they overheard them talking about the rights of man and say, yes, this stirred in my breast. No, they didn't. Go back and read the testimonies. These niggas was trying to kill these people. You, You captured me. Look, I am a James Madison fan in terms of the way his mind worked, And I like to believe, and I told him that the first time I visit Montpierre, I'm a member of the James of uh, the Montpierre Society. I mean, in terms of, the, you know, I go down there, I, I've been down there for conferences and stuff. I say, you know what, I'll say this about James Madison, even as I find his mind intriguing, as I read his notes from when they were debating the constitution, I say, you know, I like to believe that I've been on this plant, if I had been on this plantation when Madison was here, I, I would have joined the Igbo women in trying to kill him. In other words, why do you why do you mistake understanding somebody's power of intellect with I'm a captive? You know what I'm saying? Hey, dude, that was smart. Now, here, what? Feel this steel? Right. (laughs) You know what what I'm saying? So, so I'm saying I have to say that when we look at the Lincoln statue in this field of concession. Mississippi, Ah uh, New Ellison, them finally after so many knew been saying it for years. Ooh,
0: you know yes. she been um, shout out know, to her. Can we shout them. out that woman, please? Please. I mean, she I, played the hell out of uh, Sister Clark in that Clark Sister movie. Yes, okay. she did. All right. And
1: before that, she was in um in Book uh, of Negroes. Book of Negroes, no question. That's right. You know, all the way Joe back actress. to uh, it, dead presidents, no come question. On. Oh you my know?
0: gosh, you know what amazing saying? actress. I but also equally, if not more amazing activist.
1: Oh, no question. In, 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 in the spirit and tradition of a Nina Simone, of a Paul Robeson. In other words, my art and my craft must be for the liberation of my people. So, yeah, much respect to Anjini Ellis. And all these years she's been saying this. And, you know, Chokwe uh, Anta Lumumba, good brother, whose father was the mayor of Jackson. And his sister went to Howard Law School, good sister. They are really now, we're going to get this flag now. We're about to get this flag. So the you know, the Confederate flag is in the Mississippi State flag. She's she like, she like this got to go. So in this moment when these things are all being renegotiated, now it's overflowed from the Confederates. It's overflowed to let's rethink everything. Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's a rope on Andrew Jackson. Hell yeah! The Indian killer. Do y'all remember the Indian Removal Act? This is for the Native Americans too. Wait, but he was the president. Yeah, but this is twenty twenty. What <laughs> the hell? Wait, wait hey, hey, Abe Lincoln. Hey man, why is that brother? Hey man, get a rope. Whoa! <laughs> wait, wait, what are y'all doing? We're, this is really about renegotiating the idea of America. And Vincent Harding says something many years ago. Uh, brother, brother Harding, who was at Spelman for years. First director of the Martin Luther King Center after Dr. King was killed at Mrs. King's personal request. Then he goes to found something called the Institute of the Black World. He is the one who helped draft Dr. King's why I opposed the war in Vietnam speech. Vincent Harding, lifelong Quaker, pacifist, uh, a New Yorker from the Caribbean who raised in New York. Vincent Harding would always say that every generation has to write the history anew. So these statues can't just sit there without being engaged. But the beautiful thing together, let me draw it together. The beautiful thing about the Lincoln statue is, we don't have to guess as to what Black people were thinking when the Lincoln statue was erected. Because Black people helped pay for the statue, but they had no say in designing the statue. So when they saw the statue, they was like, Come really? On. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know, and people say, well, how can you say that? How do you know what they were thinking? Let's just pick one very significant black person from that period, Frederick Douglass. Because we have his speech. They get there, they're going to unveil the statue. April night, 1876, Douglas gets up to give what is known as the oration. Because you know, Frederick Douglass. In my mind, when you look at Abraham Lincoln, and you know, people love to talk, quote, the second inaugural. When you come to the Lincoln Memorial, which, of course, if you know anything about Egyptian history, is based on the Egyptian temples. All of it is that He's sitting there in the temple. I said, how do you know? Because I've been to Egypt about a dozen times. I'm telling you right there where that came from. The Reflecting Pool, the Washington Monument, all that stuff. I'll take you right to the Reflecting Pool at a pet is sit that they call Which is Steve. the
0: foundation of the Masons, anyway. All I mean, of it. The and eye and all the such and thus.
1: All of it. All of it. So when people say, well, I always want to talk about. Africa. And you want to talk about Egypt. Yeah, because you walk around in it every day and think this is something else. We did all of it. But yes, right. So Lincoln, when you go into Lincoln Memorial, he's sitting there. and you look up on the wall and you see a long quote from the second inaugural. The second inaugural is where he starts talking about the fact that, look, if any, if God is just He's going to draw out this blood lash by lash for all these centuries we'd have had these people enslaved. And so that's how it's, that's used to frame the idea of Lincoln as an abolitionist. But if you erased every speech from that period and only kept one, I would say you keep Frederick Douglass's speech at the dedication of the Lincoln Memorial, of the Lincoln statue, because Douglass reads Lincoln like a book. He gives him credit where credit is due, and he destroys him where he needs to be destroyed. And he says, "I'm," and he's sitting here looking at this statue. And the accounts we have from the period say he, like other black people, didn't like the statue. Like really, this is what we're doing now. No pro- No problem. I got this. Because see, I'm speaking at the. I'm at the dedication, no problem. So when he when he gets up, we won't go through the whole thing. I encourage people to get it. You can get it anywhere. It's around on the internet. So it's no problem. I just like having the book as we talked about because when they turn the computers off, I'm still going to be able to work. So, <laughs> so he gets up and I love what he does. He's like, we're all here. I love that we're all here. He names the people who are here. He says, we're here with members of the House of Representatives, the President of the Supreme Court, and the Chief Justice of the United States. He talks about all the people. He leaves one person out. This is 1876. Who who do you think we would all say is the most important politician in the United States of America at any given moment? The president. Exactly. On that dais is Ulysses S. Grant. Douglas opens the speech with shade. <laughs> he names everybody on the dais, never mentions Grant who's sitting behind him the whole time. Why? Because it's 1876 and what are we about to see the end of? Reconstruction. Douglas's whole thing was, wait a minute, cuz they were in a debate at this point. They were like reconciliation. That's what Grant is pushing reelection campaigns about reconciliation. Yeah, we defeated the South. I was the general, remember? And guess what? It's time to make up. Douglas is like, whoa, well, what about reconstruction? I get redemption, but redemption mean we not in it. How you going to shake hands with these cats? You were just trying to kill them. Yes, but we're all in the union now. Yeah, yeah. And we in the union too. Remember four million of us? So Douglas is already looking like, Grant, you getting ready to, to sell us out? Grant pushing back like, hey man, 1870, Do you have you forgotten? We started the Department of Justice. We got the Ku Klux Klan Act. We put the Klan on trial in South Carolina. Doug was like, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm supposed to ask, you're supposed to like, thank you for that. We, We freed ourselves. Now, let's be clear. These are no acts of charity. So you're talking about reconciliation with the South? Do you understand what that could mean? No, don't do that. And in fact, the thing is so deep. Anyway, we'll talk about that another day, because the idea then is that this, the North even begins importing some of the Southern ways, some of the Southern attitudes. Yes. So Douglas is on the D. It's like, okay, I'm gonna name all these people. But I ain't gonna talk about you yet, Grant, cause me and you, I don't know. Little, And then of course we know after what happens next is they really get betrayed in the election that year. Hayes comes in, the federal troops, the last of them are pulled out of the South. And that's when Jim Crow begins to really take off. So Douglas is aware. So he says, okay, let me, but I'm here to talk about Lincoln. So what does he do? my man. Douglas says, Lincoln was preeminently the white man's president, entirely devoted to the welfare of white men. He was ready and willing at any time during the first years of his administration to deny, postpone, and sacrifice the rights of humanity in the colored people to promote the welfare of the white people of this country. Then he goes on and he lists all the things that Lincoln did not do, all the things he didn't do. And then he says, by the time he gets to that, he starts with And this is fascinating. Missouri, when General Fremont came uh, in the early days of the Civil War got to Missouri, winning battles, he told the Africans in Missouri, y'all free. Lincoln rescinds the order. And he names it there. He says, you know, when he revoked the proclamation of General Fremont, when he refused to remove the popular commander of the Army of the Potomac in the days of his inaction and defeat, that was uh, McClellan, we could talk about that another day, who was more zealous in his efforts to protect slavery than to suppress rebellion. When we all saw this and more, we were at times grieved. He's like, we looking at this guy like, what are you doing? In fact, there's a great song uh, that they sang during the period, Richie Havens remade it. It's called Give Us a Flag. And uh, what does he say? Fremont told us how the war, when the war had just begun, how to save the union, the way it should be won. But uh, he said, but old Kentucky had its way and Lincoln had its fears. Now they call on the help of the colored volunteers. In other words, he told y'all what to do. Free these Negroes, give them guns. Lincoln was scared Kentucky was going to secede, so he backed up. And then, so the, the brothers had a song they sang when they went into war. Oh, y'all finally understand now. Uh-huh. Give us a flag, and we'll defend it. But give us this gun, we'll defend the flag. So that was their marching song. Douglas brings all those memories to the dedication of the Lincoln statue. Looking at dead 11 years. Then he turns, and he says, but you know what? Here's the stuff he did do. He said he recognized Haiti. Now, that that, that to mm. me is a little borderline shade, too, because Lincoln recognized Haiti, the United States government, in 1862, in part because the only Black, which is why I like this book, the only Black people that Lincoln freed with the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, that he freed on his signature, the only people he freed that he had the ability to free were the Africans of the District of Columbia. And that happened on what they call Emancipation Day in Washington, DC. In 1862, what Lincoln said was, and Congress, we will pay every white person who has an African enslaved in the District of Columbia up to $300 a piece. We pay you, they're free. Then in the same bill, Congress and Lincoln say, and we're setting aside this money, any of you Negroes who are now free, if you want to leave, we'll help you relocate. Lincoln is like, send them to Haiti, send them to Liberia, because this is a white man's country, really. I mean, look, I don't like slavery. Slavery's wrong. But don't get that confused with me thinking we equals. No, I think this is a white man's country. So if you would like to leave, we've put some money in the bill. So the reason he recognizes Haiti, because remember, Haiti had been free, freed itself in 1804. Right. It's been almost 60 years. Why didn't you recognize them before? Because if you recognize Haiti, you're sending a signal to every Negro with a dream. Gabriel Prosser and them, when they busted up the Prosser conspiracy in South Carolina, put them on trial, these brothers and sisters on the trial bench saying, we were told that if we could burn the armory and get to the port, there would be a ship there to take us to St. Dominique. In other words, the idea of Haiti was just too terrifying to these people. So Lincoln, they finally recognized Haiti in part because they want to send us there. So, I mean, the idea of people say, well, you know, we were born in this country, this is our country, you're not gonna run us off. Listen, we're citizens of the world. As far as I'm concerned, I would love to have a place in South Africa, Ghana, whatever, and I'm gonna keep the American passport because I gonna come back to see my mom or come get her and take her there. What you are not gonna do is restrict my movement on this globe. But this idea that we gotta stay here because we fought and died here, would seem to me strange to the ancestors who were brought here like, what, y'all wanna stay here? I mean if we're going to be honest, let's have a real conversation.
0: Mm. So,
1: so, so Douglas then says, you know, after he says all the good stuff he did, then he says, can anybody really deny how we felt that night in January, 1863, when the Emancipation Proclamation went into effect? See what Lincoln, I mean, sorry, what Douglas is doing, he's telling it to us warts and all. He ain't shading one way or the other. That's why to me, this, this Douglas speech at the Lincoln uh, statue unveiling is so much more powerful than Lincoln's second inaugural. This should be the speech that we know. Cause then he And then when he finishes reading what he's done and then says how we felt, he said, let me tell y'all something, Lincoln is y'all's man. He's your man because Lincoln was not from the elites. Well, like James Buchanan, who was president before him, who was a kind of patrician, you know, like it was a plebeian, a rail splitting, self taught, ambling, all shucks dude. And the reason he was the right one at the right time is because we knew y'all was racist, and you needed a racist <laughs> to be able to say to y'all, Look, if you're gonna keep this country, you're gonna have to let them go because you couldn't hear it from a straight abolitionist like me, or these white dudes, William Lloyd Garrison. I mean, you can't hear that from them because you already disagree with them. You need somebody. And of course, we've talked about this many times and you've talked about it consistently. I mean, imagine if some of these white nationalists, imagine if Donald Trump came out tomorrow and said, look, I was crazy. We'll draw that Obamacare lawsuit. I don't like y'all. Y'all are all in words in my mind. Y'all niggas don't like y'all, but guess what? I think the country is more important. So get, you know what? Let's get another stimulus. Y'all send me a stimulus bill for $3 trillion, and I don't want nobody in here who makes less than $40,000 a year to get a check for anything less than 10000 And all the rent, we're going to forget. I mean, he would never do it. But what Douglas's point is that you need somebody who you don't think like you think to hold this together because you're never going to agree on us. So he says, and this is what I love about him, though. He says, that doesn't make Lincoln a great man. It makes Lincoln... The right man for the time so we're out here with this statue to do two things we're here to reinforce the fact that you don't put statues up to make people heroes without their warts you make statues up to remember what's happening at the moment and the other reason we're here is because this is your man and what we know is you're gonna build all these statues to him i mean this is a century well not a century yeah almost, that's about three quarters of a century before there's a Lincoln Memorial. This is, you know, this is, he, he said, I know what y'all gonna do. Y'all gonna make this man into American Jesus. I already know. In fact, I gave that talk one time at the National Archives. Abraham Lincoln, American Jesus. I said, George Washington is the father. Abraham Lincoln is the son. He died for us. And Martin Luther King is the Holy Ghost. <laughs> I mean, The idea of the future to come. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but Abraham Lincoln is, a, is American Jesus. He's the son of God. If God is George Washington, he's the son because he had to die for the thing to live, you know, to give us the hope of eternal life. So I'm saying that to say that Douglas called that in 1876. He said, but this statue here, if you don't build another one, this is the one we paid for. And I'm going to tell y'all right now, we knew who he was, we know who you are. This is never gonna be finished. And then he ends the speech with the beautiful thing, man. It's almost like this dude is looking into what's happening right now. He says, let me tell you about time. Time will reveal everything that needs to be done. So this statue is for today, but in time, we will be able to relook at everything. It's almost like, it's, I'm wondering what Fred Douglas would do today. If, would he be out there looking at them with these ropes around his statue? Or would he be looking at them now with the National Guard out there guarding the statue? Would he be saying, you know what? Yeah, it's time, you can take it down. And the only last thing I'll add is this, it's fascinating to me. 1974, this is why, look, all human beings breathe air. You know, I respect, all. like you do, we respect all life, all living things on the planet, you know, we, we good. And I don't like to, 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 to separate groups out by gender or whatever, but, but something about Black women. It's something about y'all. <laughs> it's clearly in, in the grand scheme of human existence, particularly these last few centuries of our immediate traumas and responses to it. These sisters from the National uh, Colored Women, National Association of Colored Women, the NACW, this is Mary McLeod Bethune's organization, the one Miss Bethune started, right? These sisters say, you know what? I think we need a statue of Mary McLeod Bethune. (laughs) Hey, wait, what y'all get ready to do? What y'all get ready to do, uh, Dr. Height? What y'all get ready to do? 1974, these black women raise money and stick a statue, the first statue of a black woman, stick a statue of Mary McLeod Bethune in Lincoln Park, (laughs) on the other side of the park, away from Abraham Lincoln. So you got Miss Bethune and you got Abraham Lincoln. And that's where I would say the tearing down of the Lincoln statue started, why? Because once that statue was established there in 1974 on her 99th birthday with 18,000 people there, and the Park Service does, because Lincoln is looking that way toward the Capitol Miss Bethune looking that way if you see the Bethune statue she's standing she got children around her playing she's in the middle of the sit with these young people so she's looking that way and Lincoln's looking that way so she's looking that way Lincoln's looking that way they turn Lincoln to face her. <laughs> the park said, you know what respect so Lincoln is turned you know saying to face Bethune and I'm saying now in 2020 y'all will pull the statue down. I think the first move of that statue to get it out of there was when they turned it around to face Miss Bethune. So I'm sa- statues are complicated, and I agree with you. They're just symbols, and they, we really need structural change, but it's interesting to look at the politics of that Lincoln statue in the context of what we've been experiencing. So,
0: I'm so grateful because I had a very definitive thought that you've made me have to rethink a little bit in terms of I'm reading Color of Money, you know, very slowly, and it yeah. talks about... What you just said was the, the revisionist history gets inculcated based on what people are allowed to get away with. And this time, when we close our eyes, all they'll remember are these statues and these flags and, the, and what's written in these books, which is why it's so important that we write our own stories and make sure, when you were talking about LaRon Bennett, that we publish through lenses that look like our lenses and that the people who are putting these these works out into the into the diaspora that they have a pure soul as it relates to black people. And we have to ensure that. That's part yes. of the work.
1: That's part of the work. And a, a, as is this. Now folks know. That's right. If they uh, took them all down, we could start from scratch.
0: <laughs> Who knows? I love, I love it. I love it. Oh, man, you just got... That. Man, there's gotta be enough time in the in the, in the the history for us to do all of these things. But let me just thank you for doing thank this today, brother. I We weren't gonna talk about this today either. Look, it's well, all, it's, you, it's, I well, love well,
1: it. Mr. Mr. Farrakhan, well, not Mr. Farrakhan, Elijah Muhammad used to say this, time dictates agenda. You keep it going five days a week on series and then you come and work the week, teach a class on Saturday morning. You teach a it, class. It was time. Well, right. no, we together on that. So yeah, time dictated the agenda.
0: Uh, well let me thank you again and thank everybody for watching in class with dr gray Carr in class with Carr. uh hit the like button subscribe 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 yes. brother i will see you next week i love you yeah love you uh, too yeah and i love the people watching too thank y'all